Okay, so looking at conversation with Christ. So just to, to start us off, what are we doing? Um, why are we using this book? Okay, uh, It's not a Franciscan book, and we're Franciscans. And, you know, like many of you are probably like, well, I, you know, have been doing this for years, and da 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 And this book seems sort of simple. And the reason we're doing this book is for a few reasons. One, because the book is simple. And that's often good with prayer, right? And the book is not a complete treatise on everything. It's not going to give you theory in prayer. It highlights certain practical elements that typically go into most people's growing relationship with God in prayer, right? Typical elements that go into most people's. Some people, this book won't be helpful at all. And if you're one of them, I'm sorry. Oh, well, you know, uh, you'll survive. Everybody else has so far. And, um, but the book lays down certain principles that we'll be able to have discussions about also and say, well, okay, well, how can this be understood in different contexts? And what are the underlying principles behind some of this stuff? But it just gives us this opportunity to kind of have this, this sort of foundational thing. One of the other reasons we're doing this book is because I have to say, like, I was praying for years. And again, maybe you guys have had a lot more opportunities than I have when I was in your position. I, well, first, I know you have, but um, maybe you have a lot more experience. Maybe you have a lot more understanding. But I really took the life of prayer seriously for a while. And then I read, I think it was this book or another one, and I was like, oh, like, I haven't been doing that. And when I started to do a simple, a couple simple adjustments that I just found in this book, it really helped my prayer to flourish in different ways. So there may be certain things that you're like, oh, I never really heard that before. Like, it, would that be helpful? Would that not be helpful? So there might be some stuff that you're just introduced to that maybe you haven't seen before. It's sort of like when I went to learn Spanish, I knew Spanish, right? But when I went to Guatemala to, for like five weeks of intensive Spanish, six hours a day, face-to-face, one-on-one, I said to my teacher, he's like, well, you, your Spanish is pretty good. I said, but why don't we just start at the beginning, just in case I missed something before? And so in a sense, we're starting at the beginning, just in case you missed something before. So we're going to be conjugating AR, ER, and IR verbs, right? You know, so it's like, si, yo, como. Tu comes, right? But, you know, but in any case, so it might seem somewhat simple at first, but I don't think it's wasted time. And if you're open, the Holy Spirit will enlighten you, even if it's not the perfect thing for you. So just be open, right? The other reason we're doing this is because, um, so why a Carmelite and not a Franciscan? Because we're Franciscans, okay. So, According to my recollection, now this was 20 years ago now, but Father Benedict, in one of his classes, he used to just, he was sort of like, he would just sit down with us and, you know, we would all just go over to Trinity and he would just have all of us together and sort of stuff came out of his mouth and we were like, wow. So one of the things that came out of his mouth, he said, the spirituality that's closest to Franciscan spirituality is Carmelite, which I found interesting. And so more than Dominicans, more than Jesuits, there's a certain, at least in his opinion, there was a certain sort of coming together. Now, we're not going to address with this book or in this class, how did St. Francis pray? Which may not apply to you very much anyways, but it's good to, we'll look at that, right? 
but you may pray in a very different way than St. Francis did. Um, and that's okay. But what we're going to look at here is, so this is a, a, a contemporary author, Peter Thomas Rohrbach, who's a Carmelite, who is writing, use, utilizing basically St. Teresa of Avila, who her religious name, St. Teresa of Jesus. Sometimes I'll call her St. Teresa of Jesus, so just don't be confused by that. Um, but so he's just sort of outlining her basic teaching on prayer. This is very close to the Franciscan teaching on prayer. And one of the, I remember Father Conrad Harkins, who's a Franciscan historian who, God rest his soul, but he um, uh, said when he was a novice, which was a while ago now, they just got this book, uh, Treatise on Prayer and Meditation by St. Peter of Alcantara. That's the correct accent, as I understand it. A Spaniard corrected me. Um, St. Peter of Alcantara. So this Franciscan saint wrote a book on prayer. So why don't we use that? Well, he was, right, the spiritual director, one of a few, of St. Teresa of, of Avila, she, she was too big to just have one, right? She, 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 had a, she had a few people helping her. But he was a major one. And the, the office of readings for his feast is fascinating. It's a letter to her. Him saying, don't listen to those other guys. I think it was the Jesuits. Who are telling you to do this and do that. You have to, you know, so he's telling her, follow poverty. This is what penance is about. And he was a great teacher for her for prayer. So... A lot of these are similar. So this book, a lot of what he writes is very similar to Teresa of Jesus' writings, right? This book by, by the Conversation with Christ is a more modern presentation. It's more simple. It's a bit more straightforward. And I think it's, it's, it's easier to kind of palette than St. Peter of Alcantara. I will include some of his insights because a lot of it just parallels this stuff. But there's not really much in St. Peter of Alcantara that's not basically here. They're very similar teachings, right? It's very, very similar. And if I can just toss in, you will often get Father Francis Mary's two cents, you know? You can keep my two cents, just don't throw it out the window while I'm in the classroom, right? But so in any case, part of my two cents is this. It's, you know, everybody, we emphasize different aspects of spiritual traditions properly so, because we're Franciscans right now. But you know, Father Gregorio and I were talking one time when I was still in Honduras with him, and, and we both sort of have this sense of, you know, they're all pretty similar at the end of the day. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, it really is about Jesus. And that's where all this stuff is going. Certain traditions may be particularly helpful for us. And so you'll see me and I'll weave through our class and sometimes depend heavily on a couple of my other friends. But all of it's really going such a similar place of this openness to just how God is impacting into my life. And that's basically where we're going. The other two friends, and then we'll, we'll take a look at chapter one. The other two friends, uh, my, three, my three male saint friends, right? St. Francis of Assisi, St. John of the Cross, St. Ignatius of Loyola. And so those are the three that I will most often sort of weave through what I teach you. And the thing that I've come to most recently is this. St. Francis of Assisi, it seems to me, 
was an extremely intuitive prayer, and there's not a lot that we know about his interior life, right? He was an incredible mystic, but he didn't write treatises on prayer. So a lot of what we get is just sort of like intuitions through words and things like that. But he was all about, and I'm going to try to teach a class to you guys on this, he was so much about the working of the Spirit of God and just how the Spirit of God was, was leading him, right? And not all of us are going to have the freedom of Francis of Assisi or the capacity to just sort of allow ourselves to be influenced and acted upon by the Holy Spirit in such a clear, direct manner without the obstacles that we often have sort of pop up in our lives. And Ignatius of Loyola and John of the Cross are two masters of discernment about this same thing. They go the same place as St. Francis, but they take different roads, and their insights can often be helpful for us who aren't St. Francis of Assisi. Okay, thus ends my various sort of uh, detours. So let's look at chapter one of conversation with Christ, right? And I ask you guys a few different questions. Um, so just to, to get us rolling, and none of these are trick questions, hopefully none. So what is the aim of meditation? Anyone? Yeah, Brother John Friend. That's right, yeah. An intimate, the, so it's a mental prayer, right? So we'll use some of these words interchangeably, right? is nothing else but a frequent heart-to-heart -heart conversation with him by whom we know ourselves to be loved. So that's on page three, just quoting Teresa of Avila's life. Right? And I, I'd like to just sort of emphasize this, which is so, becomes so much clearer to me as the years go on. It's nothing else than an intimate friendship, a frequent heart-to-heart -heart conversation with him by whom we know ourselves to be loved. Now that sounds like, well, of course. That is the big problem for most of us. On one level, we, we, if you were asked, does Jesus love you? Does the Father? Claro que si, of course, of course. But there's so many things in our hearts that say the exact opposite message, right? And so that throwaway phrase by Teresa of Jesus is vitally important, right? is vitally important that when I go to prayer to enter into this conversation, and we'll talk about this stuff a lot more, a lot more. When I go to prayer to enter into this conversation, this interchange, this exchange with the living God with whom I'm consciously entering into relationship at this moment, this conversation, there has to be this really deeply rooted or growing conviction um, that we are loved by him, right? that we are loved by him. Without this, at the end of the day, we will not give God permission. We'll only give him so much permission. And then we will put on the brakes. Nope, that was too scary. <laughs> you just asked me that and that. That's too scary. I can't let go of that. This is not going to happen. Right? One of the things that's, well, let me just ask you this. So meditation, right, is this framework for pr providing this personal heart-to-heart -heart conversation with Christ. Does this conversation always have to include words, spoken words, or interior actual words, conversation, that sort of thing? No, right? And that's on page six in the book. 
Um, I think. Right? Our affection for Christ may be manifested in a loving gaze upon him or in any numberless number of wordless expressions of our love for him. All of these forms of contact are included in the phrase conversation with Christ. So already things are getting opened up sub substantially, right? Because we think conversation, you know, if I'm going to have a conversation with Brother Simeon, well, I can't just do this. I mean, maybe I could, but I don't know him well enough for that. Just kind of, and that might be kind of weird um, if I just sort of looked at him, uh, especially at this moment. But with God, right, so conversation, we need to make sure that we're not locking that phrase down too much. That it is much more the desires, the movements of the heart that God is attentive to than the multiplicity of words, right? So this conversation, we already need to recognize, it could be happening in silence, right? It could be happening without formulating any particular prayer or words. And also, there may be, I don't even know if I need to go into this, this is what happens in this class, I just sort of, these other ideas come along and I'm like, oh, that. But so there also may be, the conversation might happen on different levels. I may be saying something with my lips and a different thing may be going on in my heart between the Lord and I. So something like the Jesus prayer, that's really what we're talking about, right? The vocal prayer, the words that I'm saying, doesn't seem like much of a conversation. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ. But What's supposed to happen is that this deeper interior thing kicks off that I'm not even fully aware of, right? This is, this is something advanced. This is something beyond. But it's included in this idea of some sort of contact, communication, conversation, interchange with Christ, okay? But the thing that we really want to highlight here that the author is trying to get at is that it's not something complex. Right? And this is something that we need to be careful of. We may find authors that help us to enter into this more, right? But we need to be careful of overcomplicating the spiritual life, I would say. We need to be careful of that, especially those of us who aspire to be sort of professionals, right? I'm, you know, this knowledgeable, like, ooh, Father Francis Mary, he knows so much about prayer, and, he, you know, he quotes John of the Cross, and well, okay, that's okay, as long as this central thing is held. Because otherwise, we're just going off into prideful sort of musings about prayer, and that's useless, for, at least for ourselves. Right? Now, we'll, we're going to make some distinctions. Um, Prayer. So this is a, a quotation. I don't even know where I got some of this stuff. But this one is from one of Father Solanus's things that he put together on, uh, on mental prayer or something like that. Prayer is first and foremost, fundamentally, the life of being in conscious and loving relationship with God. And so I think this is a helpful thing. Prayer, right? Conscious and loving relationship. Because are you always in relationship with God in some way? I mean, if he didn't hold you in existence, you'd be done, right? Gone. 
So there's always some sort of relationship there, right? If you have sanctifying grace, if you're a baptized Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells in your heart. But you may not be conscious of that on any level, right? We have baptized people walking around the United States right now who are completely, have no conscious relationship with God. And so there's this, this, this aspect of prayer that's important about this conscious, loving relationship with God. Right? And again, we can talk about, and not to overly complicate it, there's different levels of consciousness of God, of remembering God, of being aware of God. Right? And we can look at this more as we go through and as we look at the human person more later in Novitiate. But in some way, on some level, my being is consciously turned towards this other who is turned towards me. That's the thing, right? In some way, I am consciously turned towards this other who's consciously turned towards me. And the good news is, he's always consciously turned towards me. The only wild card in the, in the equation, the only question mark, is me. Not God. The only question mark is me. And so prayer is defined, properly speaking, as a personal, intimate, and profound dialogue or conversation between man and God. So this is just a, just a draw from Father Solanus' stuff, because I find a lot of his teaching very, very clear, right? My classmate but I'm not just you know, saying that because he's my classmate, but because he has an incredible capacity for synthesis and uh, clarity. Um, but so we have that, right? And just to, uh, just to move this a little bit more, and then, then I'll just open it up for some questions, we're just gonna make a distinction, which I think is made in, yeah, it's made in the book at some point, between the expressions vocal prayer and mental prayer, okay? Um, because it's used, it's used they're, they're terms that are used very, very frequently in spiritual writing. And so let's, can anybody give me what they think would be a decent definition of vocal prayer? Give it a shot. Don't be, don't be, don't be afraid here. So. Brother Philip, go for it. What is it? What do you think? That would be an example. Can you give me a definition? Okay. Yeah. So, so, so uh, that's that's good. The Our Father is a perfect example. Absolutely perfect example. And so let's, so the definition here, so a prayer that someone else has said, or it's a recitation of a prayer formula, okay? So it's, it's a set, so it actually is particular words, right? That's a formula that was composed before, right? Um, and it could have been composed by me, <laughs> I mean, or by you, right? So... Like a vocal prayer doesn't have to be, uh, you know, the Our Father, which is the greatest of, right, of all prayers. 
But it's so it's a prayer that that is where I'm utilizing words, a formula composed by somebody previously, which I've learned or I'm reading. Yeah, that's very, very good. Now, so we got the Our Father. Let's define mental prayer, then we'll go through some, some other what. So we're talking about meditation, mental prayer, these are related. Like, what is, what, somebody give me a, a shot at mental prayer. So it's not vocal prayer. So we got that, right? We know it's not that. But what would, what would mental prayer consist of? Mm-hmm. An interior conversation with God. Yep, so that's, that's good. Is there anything else? So mental prayer, meditation, also usually includes something, because I could have an interior conversation with God right now, but usually mental prayer also includes something else. Yeah, so meditating on something specific. So considering like God or his mysteries, a particular scripture. So there's something out there that I allow to affect me that spurs on this spontaneous conversation where I'm not using set formulas, but rather I'm encountering some sort of mystery or God in some way. And then that affecting me brings out, hopefully, draws out a response right? Which tends to be more spontaneous, could be wordless, but if words are used, then they're my own words, typically, right? They're my own words. Is that fair enough? Now, which one is more important? Trick question. It is a bit of a trick question, John Francis. This is a bit of a trick question. What do you think? Yeah, you, I mean, you do need both of them. That... So the real thing is this. Ultimately, um, they really are related to each other. What are some other examples of vocal prayer? So we have the Our Father. So that's a, that's a, that's a fantastic example because, I mean... God himself taught us the Our Father. When he was asked, when Jesus was asked, Lord, teach us how to pray. He said, okay, here it is. Our Father, who art in heaven. Like, okay, so when God was asked, how should we pray? That's what he told us. That sounds pretty important. That sounds pretty important. And so when you, when you read uh, many of the fathers of the church, when they write about prayer, they, it's commentaries on the Our Father. You know, like these guys were like, well, if this is what... Jesus taught us, then, and so I think it's Augustine who says, like, everything, every prayer that we could ever pray is contained in the Our Father in some way. Fascinating. And Teresa of Jesus herself, um, when writing about prayer, goes and utilizes the Our Father, talking of moving into contemplative prayer um, in this. So, yeah, vocal prayer, our Father. What, what are some other examples of vocal prayers? Like, so that sounds really important. The Psalms, the Psalms right? Like, what do we do every day, <laughs> right? And so, like, our life is filled with vocal prayer, right? Any other example? Rosaries, chaplets, right, which can be very important for us. And... 
The other thing that I would point out is, I mean, basically the Mass is a vocal prayer, right? I mean, it's set formulas that are written down that we pray like this. Vocal prayer does not have to be actually spoken out loud, right? So the real thing is like set formulas that are, although the Mass does have to be prayed out loud, right? Um, but so we have these things. So obviously, this is really important stuff, right? Really important. Because many times, you know, we'll sort of get this idea like vocal prayers are like sort of second rate. Sort of second rate. Like, I've now entered into meditation and now I'm really going someplace. All you poor people doing your vocal prayers, grandma with her rosary, you know? Now, the real thing is this. Vocal prayer without mental prayer can, can be dead. And that's the issue, right? So if there's not this living relationship conversation thing going on, when I go to my vocal prayer, it can be really second rate. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're just, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy way. You know, I mean, in, in, I can't even do like this, the Spanish rosary, you know, like I couldn't even keep up with them, you know. Dios te salve, María, y en este gracia, el Señor es contigo. You know, like, you know, vigilia, you know, for some, somebody's grandmother just died and everybody's going, you can't even pray it. Now, maybe there's something really intimate and beautiful going on with the Lord there. There could be, and I can't judge that. But at least for me, I couldn't, you can't keep up, right? But so, really, the thing is um, that, you know, in these different vocal prayers, that there is this intimacy of exchange, right? And how beautiful it is if in the middle of my mental prayer, as I'm being impacted, as I'm reflecting upon some word of scripture, perhaps a vocal prayer gets woven in, you know, like on uh, some retreats that I do, you know, just like spontaneously in the midst of this really deep prayer, like, for, like I've had directees where like, just like this song comes up. Beautiful, right? Like, where did that come from? They don't even know, but it's reflecting something that's going on deep inside of them. Then this vocal prayer, this song, like, emerges for them. Awesome, right? And so the real difficulty is when, if we don't have some sort of mental prayer, it is often that the vocal prayer will become flat, right? But the rosary, in a very special way, combines vocal and mental prayer. Like, the rosary is meant to be this this beautiful union between the two, where you're, with the background of Our Lady and the Hail Mary, you're encountering the mystery of Christ, which thereby we're trying to allow to touch us in some way. So implicitly, there's supposed to be this conversation in the rosary. Now, after night prayer, that doesn't always happen for me, I, I confess, right? But, but this sort of, even if this is wordless exchange, like the rosary is meant to be placing us in this, this sort of context of the mysteries of Christ, allowing him to touch us. And if we dare, allowing him to, to draw us and to spur something on in us, right? Which is the idea of mental prayer. And so we have these things, and, and, and I guess what I want to say as just kind of a wrap-up um, is, is that we should be very, very open, not to disparaging any of this, but to really allow the Lord to just move it in us, you know? 
you'll hear me mention her at different times, Trudy McCaffrey, who's, you know, she's a mother of four, grandmother of, I don't even know how many, widow, Canadian originally, and um, now spends her entire life directing priests and bishops on directed retreats. Like, so she, when I asked her who she was, she said, I'm, 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 I'm the, the God's sense of humor. That was her answer, which is true. But so she's directed me. She directed me on my 30 days. She's directed me on a number of retreats. She's a very important influence in my life, spiritually, even though I, I talk to her very, very rarely. Um, but so she said, Father, you've got to be just open to the smorgasbord of prayer. Do you know what a smorgasbord is? Right? So it's, it's like when you go to a restaurant, it's kind of gross, actually, in some ways, even though it's a smorgasbord is when all the food is out and you can just go get whatever you want as much as you want. Like it's right there. It's chicken and then beef and then pork and then this and then there's 20 kinds of salads and then there's 50 kinds of breads and, you know, whatever. It's a smorgasbord. just like, wow. Let the Spirit of God lead you in prayer, right? Be open. Well, maybe today it is going to be roast beef. And maybe tomorrow I'm going to be fasting on bread and water at the other end of the line, interiorly, right? And it's okay. But, you know, like, uh, not to divulge too much, but like years ago, years ago, uh, I received the gift of tongues, years ago. And it was just sort of like, I'm not a huge charismatic guy, but I got received it. And I just I hadn't really, you know, nothing. I hadn't really thought about it in, in many, many years. And then, you know, just through her own encouragement, and just, I was just started to pray like that again. And like, why not? Like, I don't have to be a charismatic, right? And why not pray the rosary, but also meditate on scripture? And why not let the Psalms sort of become a part of my prayer more often? And like, there's just this potential for openness, really just in the way that the Lord leads us and that that can shift a bit at times and to be open to that. Flexibility with the Lord is one of the great, great things to learn in the spiritual life. Not, this is the way I pray, I'm going to be like John of the Cross, like no consolations, get everything out, dark night of the soul, here I come, full steam ahead. And maybe the Holy Spirit's saying, I just want you to pray the Our Father, and I just want you to experience the tender gaze of the Father on you for a week and a half. And you're like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to be like this. And he's like, oh, man, will you stop fighting me? You know? How often has the Spirit of God said that to me? Will you stop fighting me? And so, brothers, as we start off, you know, again, I sort of meander here and there. Hopefully these are hopeful things, helpful things in general. Just trying to get us centered in this, just this idea. Prayer is ultimately simple. Doesn't mean that it's always easy, but it's ultimately simple. This exchange with the Lord. There's different ways that we're led to it. But this intimate heart-to-heart conversation is the, is the key, but that he can lead us in different ways. And hopefully this book will help us to open up a little bit more to just to understand how that might be possible with meditation itself. Okay? Um.